in the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you, either the book or the cell phone or the iPad, or you can just look up here. But we want to go to the book of Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. I was praying, and the Lord just sent me here. And uh, this is something that we have talked about many times, but the Lord sent me here again, Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. We are in the middle, as you know, the last few Sundays, we've been in the middle of connecting the Old Testament in Christ in the New Testament and have been in the Psalms. We will take a reference out of Psalms again this morning. But connecting those things which were told by the prophets and the seers and the psalmist about our Lord and Savior, which we can see so clear. They could not, but we can. And so we've been connecting some of those things, and it's been, uh, it's been a great study. I hope that you have enjoyed that in your spirit. We're going to do that again this morning. I want to talk about the servant, the New Testament servant. And so beginning here in the uh, first verse of the 42nd chapter, Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. Now, I want to take you for just a moment to the Mount of Transfiguration. And a voice out of heaven says, This is my son. The English version says, In whom I am well pleased. But it's really that word that corresponds right here. This is my son and my anointed, my elect, in whom I am delighted. I've put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Amen. Go with me into the New Testament. And I want to pick up a setting there in the book of Hebrews. First, let's go to the book of Psalms. Let's go to the book of Psalms first. We'll show the old and then we'll show the new. Um, book of Psalms, the 40th chapter. And I lost my little earmark, fell out. There we go. The 40th chapter. Begin at the 6th verse and go through the 8th. Psalms, the 40th Psalm, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ear has, my ears thou hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I want to take one more, one more place, and it's just going to be a repeat of what you just heard. And so we'll take it out of the old and we'll bring it to the new. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and beginning at the, at the fifth verse. 
For this reason, coming into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But you prepared a body for me. And you did not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as to sins. Then said I, lo, I come. In the heading of the book, or it's the same wording, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I've come to do your will, oh God. Lord, we just thank you, your word. That's our direction, Lord. It's our guide. Your word is rich and powerful. Lord, we thank you for the written word. But also we ask that your spirit, which brought the word originally in the first place, your spirit would enlighten us this morning, that our spirits would be open. I know we've heard a lot of sermons. Lord, we've been to church a lot of times. But, Lord, we need that this morning, just that little upon little, that line upon line, here a little, there a little. Put a little in our heart this morning, we pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone said amen. And so the word servant in the Greek is the word doulos. It just simply means to be owned by someone else. Early on in our history, we know we called slaves. It's the same word, slave or servant, either way, to be owned by someone else. We, we never, we don't like the idea that one person can own another. I, I mean, we don't feel like that that's, that's right, that's humane. And, but down through time and during the Scriptures and during the New Testament, there were slaves, there were people that someone else owned. In the English definition, it just simply means this. A servant means this. Carrying out the duties of a master or serving a master. Serving someone else. Someone else's will. Someone else's duties. And so I want to talk about Jesus. Jesus the, the servant. Isaiah 42, Behold, my servant. And I want to kind of reel this in this morning because there's a lot of people that may be looking at Jesus and may be looking at half of a picture. You may see the signs and wonders and miracles. You may see the good things that he said. You might, you might read his words. But before he is any of that, he is the servant. Most of the times you'll see, if you see, uh, uh, we had a chart, and, and that chart had all the names and references to the Lord, and I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly, but I'm not sure that the servant was on there. But he's a servant before he was anything else. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. He was not born into nobility. He was not born into privilege. He was not born in a family well-to-do. Now, he could have arranged however he wanted this to be done. He could have, he could have been born in a, in, a, in a household that was self-sufficient, that, that he wouldn't have had to work. But he chose the way that he would go. And so we find Joseph and Mary who, they're David's kin, but Nazareth is just a poor little town. Nazareth is an outcast town. It just 
really is a place, and, and, and later on the, 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 uh, they treated him that way. Say, he, he's just from Nazareth, that, that away town that nobody cares about. You know, the little town of Ulaga. The little town of Talala. Not, not much to it. You know, just, it's there, and there's some people there, but there's just not a whole lot to it. And, and this is what Jesus was born into. He wasn't born into wealth. He wasn't born into nobility. He was, he was born into commonness. He was born into the tribe of David, but even then they were hiding out. It, they, could not, they couldn't claim to be of the tribe of David. They couldn't claim to be rather of the seed of David because Herod, Herod would stretch forth his hand against them. So they're not near Jerusalem. They're way up in, in Nazareth. And, and he did not exercise privilege or advantage over anyone. He was not a man with a condescending attitude towards others. He's a servant. He's a servant. See, Philippians, the second chapter, says that he took on the form of a servant. Being found in the fashion of man, that wasn't enough just to be found in the fashion of man. But he took a position in being found as the fashion of man. He took on the form of a servant. The lowest of all of occupations. There was no lower occupation. Now, when we look at him and why he did this, now he didn't come as, as a servant to a household, but he came as a servant to a nation. He came as a servant to a human race. He came to do something bigger, even though on his last night, he could show them, and I think he wanted to remind them what washing feet was all about. There's nothing magical about washing feet. There's nothing spiritual about washing feet. He just wants them to remember that he's a servant, and they're no greater than him. And so the thing that he learned, the thing that he accomplished in his young life, Humbling himself, it says in Philippians 2, he humbled himself and he learned obedience. There's one thing about a servant that must happen with a servant. He has to obey. A servant has to obey. They said, well, who was Jesus obeying? Well, he put it pretty, pretty clear and he said, I don't do anything of myself, but of the Spirit of God that is in me teaches me what to do, tells me what to do, what to say. And he learned to be obedient in the flesh, even though he's no more than any other man. He doesn't come with special things. He doesn't come with great strength. And, and, and somehow he's, he's standing out from other men. No, he looks just like any other man. He comes as a man. It takes on the form of a servant. And he puts the welfare of the human race before his own. This is a great servant. He puts the welfare of the human race before his own welfare. Matthew, the 20th chapter, the 28th verse, it says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Beautiful picture. Now, if we look at him, what he's going to do is serve first. Before anything else in his life, he is going to serve first. And then the scripture says, at the very heading of the scroll, the scriptures say, referring to him in the Old Testament and in the New Then it said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God. That meant in birth, in life, in ministry, in death, in resurrection, in ascension. Everything about his life, everything having to do with the human sphere of life, he did it as a servant. I look around us and the, 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 the pomp and ceremony that's going on in the so-called house of God, so-called Christendom, and I wonder if these people realize that they're only impressing each other. They're not impressing the Lord. The other night, beautiful, beautiful example, and I did not dial in because I am completely opposed to it. I don't know if you all know what the Dove Awards are. The Dove Awards are an award, an accomplishment for those singing gospel music. Time out. Men are celebrating other men for, for singing gospel music. I really don't think that that's where the Lord's at. He didn't show up at the Dove Awards this year. Because men singing to other men and getting awards for that has nothing to do with him. That, that's, that's a complete different, different agenda than what he has altogether. But from the beginning to the end of everything that he was and everything that he is, he was a servant. He was a servant. Well, some of the things that he said didn't sound like he was serving the people. Oh, yes, he was telling them the truth. Oh, yes, he was bringing them the will of God. I come to do thy will, O oh God. Not, not to make people happy. Not, not to make myself happy. But I came to serve and to serve the will of God. And in this, the Lord Jesus Christ is the total fulfillment of that Isaiah 42.1. It's not Israel. Israel teaches that they are the servant of God. It's not Israel that is the servant of God. It's not David and his king line. Even though he was a servant, he's not the servant of God. It's not the high priesthood. It's not, it's not Aaron's group that, that it, it, it came from him and, and the blessing and, and everything that God had done in high priesthood. That high priesthood does not represent the servant. Neither does Judaism. And it sacrifices. In fact, it says, sacrifices and sin offerings you would not. Well, then why did he set them up in the first place if he didn't want them? It's because it was just a foreshadow of what was to come in the servant. The temple in Jerusalem The temple is going to come down. Jesus said, there will not be one stone left upon another. 
That temple is not the representation of the servant. Folks, we're not going back to Davidic worship. We are not going back to to sacrifice. We're not looking for the perfect red heifer. There's a lot of people that are excited right now. This is the end war. Look at this. You know, uh, there's, there's going to be a rebuilding of, of the things of God. They have missed it completely. There is only one servant, and in Him all things have come to pass in an Old Testament. He is the perfect red heifer. He is the holy sacrifice one time and for all. God doesn't want any more animal sacrifice. Can you say amen? But he's come to fulfill. I, I like how this, this phrase is this. Behold the servant of the Lord. It wants to bring out this impression upon us that this is one of those stopping places in the Bible. There's some stopping places where you need to stop and look. And this is one of them. And we'll always find it. Remember last week when I finished out in, in uh, the book of Hebrews and, and a few things that it said there. And, and it said, we see Jesus. And then the 12th chapter it said, and we see Jesus. And then later on in the 12th chapter it said, and we see Jesus. Listen, behold is more than taking a casual look. The church has been taking a casual look at Jesus. But, but no, we need to stop right there. And we need to look at Him. Because in Him is everything that we need. Can you say amen? In Him. And so this word behold says look upon Him steadfastly. Get transfixed upon Him. If the church can get transfixed upon Him, then we will see God's will. To lose sight of the servant is to lose sight of God. I think we've done it. There's been times in this church that we've tried not to do it, but there's been times that we've got our eyes kind of looking at other things. And when we look at other things, we lose the servant of God. And for us to lose the servant of God, we lose sight of God Himself. John said this, We beheld. His glory. Wow. He says that in the first chapter of his uh, gospel. We beheld his glory. And we stopped right there. I wish the church would stop there. I wish we could behold his glory. I wish we could see him for what he is. And as he is. And then he went on to say in his first epistle. He went on to say. And what we have seen and What we have beheld, what we have touched, what we have heard, what we have beheld with our eyes, the word of life, we announce that to you so that you might be able to see him also. See, the job of the apostles wasn't that people would look to them. It was people look to him. The job of the apostles wasn't to get people's eyes on a church program. It wasn't to get their eyes on church. It wasn't to get their eyes on ministry. Get their eyes on on filling a church with people. But it was to get their eyes on Jesus Christ. We beheld His glory and we desire to share that with you. That you also might see this servant of God. 
And their desire was to become servants of their master. And I wonder about us. And I want you to take to heart this morning. I wonder about us if we really want to be servants in the kingdom of God. It's easier to put it on cruise control. It's either easier to let other people do it. It's easier to say, yeah, I'm a part of the body of Christ, but I'm not an active part. I'm just sitting here in the finished work of the Lord. But I want to talk about that this morning. John said this also later on in his first epistle. But we know that if he is revealed... And here is one of the problems is that we're not revealing him because we don't want to see him. The other night, Dustin read that verse that Jesus said, love your enemies, and it just like poured cold water on me. I don't want to love my enemies. I want to hate my enemies. But the Lord has, if He's revealed to us, we begin to see that He's right. And the hating is so that you won't have that in your life. Love them so that you won't have hate in your life. And, and so I'm thinking, Lord, that's, that's so difficult for us. I mean, it's going on right now, this big turmoil. Are we supposed to love terrorists? We pray that God will get a hold of them. I mean, it's easier. We were somewhere the other Oh, we were at that ball game, and the kid behind us said, I can't wait to get in the armed services. He said, I'm going to get over there and get me one of those guys. And I was thinking, well, I can almost agree with him, right? But then the Lord says, oh, if the Lord is revealed, the Lord said, don't get that hatred in your heart. Let love prevail in your heart. Can you say Amen. Because when He's manifest and He's revealed, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him. We shall behold Him as He is. Now, that scripture is mainly used for rapture. And in the English version, when you read it in the English version, we're waiting, we're waiting for the second coming. And so, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. No, it's not about that. It's about the now and the now. I can't worry too much about when that day's coming. I really don't know. God is going to roll it all up, and it's going to end. But I don't know when that is. But I do know this, that if He is revealed right now, and that's the job of the church, it's the job of the ministry of the church, not to reveal the church, not to build more buildings, not to do more stuff. It's the job of ministry to reveal Jesus Christ so that we can see Him as He is. And if we see Him as He is... We will be like Him because we will conform into His image. Everybody say amen. Jesus never did a sign, a miracle, a wonder until He first became the servant. Humbled. Learned. There's no self-advancement in the kingdom. There's no appointments of men in the kingdom of God. We're fooling ourselves. I've been in enough PC of G, Pentecost Church of God meetings where they voted and found the will of God. I've been in enough of those. 
I'm not going to anymore. I've, I've got a lifetime of those. Men cannot appoint men in the kingdom of God. Not going to happen. Your spiritual enlightenment doesn't appoint you to places in the kingdom of God. I heard one brother, PCG, Peacock, I call it. Thank you, Rodney. And this brother preached that in the early church, they had two sides in the church. They had the learned and the unlearned. And the learned were those that spoke in tongues. I'm like, that does not sound right to me. Because when I got in the book of Corinthians, it said that all do not speak with tongues. So either you have saints of God who God equips and God touches and God enables and God gifts. And they're all scattered out in the church and, and we are with each other. Or there are those who have spiritual enlightenment and they have advanced themselves in the kingdom of God. It's not happening. That's our thinking. You know. I've got to tell this because Simon told it to Rodney and Rodney told it to me. It's, it's one of those rumors going around, right? That one of the preachers in the area bowed himself down to another preacher, got on the ground and bowed himself down to another. Well, you're probably not going to see me do that. That's men worshiping men. Peter got it. said, you get up from there. Cornelius, get it. No. Get it. Here, here, let me help you. Get up from there. Men have appointed men. Men have honored men when we should have been honoring God because you don't advance somebody in the kingdom of God by appointing them a position in the church. Hello. That might hit a little stump, but, but we'll pull right on through it. So the pattern of Jesus about servanthood is, is what first? Humble, learn obedience, and serve. This is the pattern of Jesus. So if we see him as he is, then we can become like him, right? John just said that. If he's revealed. So I'm revealing this morning. You already know this, but, but we're, we're working it up again because, hey, the old flesh, sometimes we get, we get fleshy, and so we have to go back. To what, to, to, to what the Lord says. And, and the pattern is humble, obey, and serve. Now, so we have a lot of mamas in this place, and we love our children. And we want the best for them. 20th chapter of Matthew, mama of James and John. It doesn't name her, uh, sons of Zebedee. And she comes to Jesus. She's excited. She wants the best for her children. And she says, Lord, I, I, I ask you something. What is it that you want? I ask you that my sons, James and John, one can sit on the right hand and one on the left hand of you in your kingdom. It's a beautiful request. But the Lord doesn't honor that. I'm going to get into something here that, that, that maybe we need to deal with and haven't dealt with. He turns to the, to the boys 
and says, can you drink the cup that I'm drinking? You're not sitting on no right hand and no left hand. You can't drink the cup that I'm drinking. What cup was he drinking? He was drinking the cup of servanthood. Because he will go on later and explain this to them, that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, it's not by mama. It's not by gifting of the Spirit. It is by service. Wow. I don't know. Pentecostalism doesn't want to hear this for sure. Get in this line. I'm going to get the oil out. And we're going to anoint you. And by the time we're done, we may have prophesied you into a place in the church. And then you're anointed and ready to go. No, no, no. No, this is not the pattern of Christ. So in the realm of the kingdom, there is this thing of merit. Works and reward. I don't think I've ever said that before. Unmerited favor is easy. No, I just want unmerited favor. I don't want to merit anything. Now, we've got to divide something. You're not saved by works. Mm -mm. It's a gift of God. Everybody's by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast about it, right? You, you, you don't come in the kingdom by works. But once you get in, bunch of lazy Christians. I've always said this. Good, lazy people make good, lazy Christians. It just, it just flows for them. Now, so let's get in the kingdom right here. Let, I, I want to isolate this. So this is not about salvation. This is about the kingdom. So I want to talk to everybody here this morning. I want to talk to you about the kingdom for just a little bit. Because what we've thought of the kingdom is pastor, Rodney, helpers, workers, teachers. That's what we've thought of the kingdom. And we've never thought of the kingdom of merit on our own. No, pastor, it's a gift of God. No, 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 no. We're, we've left that. Salvation. I'm not talking about salvation. Mother of James and John was not talking about salvation. She was talking about position in the kingdom. And I want my sons positioned in the kingdom. And so the problem is that we have felt and we've been taught you don't work for anything with God. But but that is in salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. And I'm not trying to earn my salvation. I can't forgive my own sins. I can't blot them out. I can't have newness of life. I can't have resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life by myself. That's not of my works. But once I get in the kingdom now, what I do in the kingdom is going to determine the position I am in the kingdom of God. Wow. So let's talk about this a little bit. The Lord said, the Lord said, a master had some servants. He said, I'm going on a trip, and I'm going to deliver to you some money, 
and what I want you to do with that money. So the servants, first of all, had to obey, right? What I want you to do with that money, I want you to multiply it, use it, and I will return. He gives that money, those talents, to those men. And we know the story that two of them used the talents wisely, and they multiplied it. They, they put it out for use. They invested it. They used it. They did just exactly what the master said to do. And then the last one, what did he do? He hid it in a napkin, right? Remember that sermon we preached years and years ago? I handed out everybody in the church a napkin and a, and a uh, what was it, a little um, gold dollar thing. What? No, I think it was the little, little one dollar thing, little one dollar. And I said, I want this to represent. And so here just a couple of years ago, we were praying we needed a cloth. And Sherry said, I still have that in my wallet. I'll bet you nobody else has that. But he gives them, and this man, he hides it, and then he comes back and says, I knew that you were a cheating master. And, and, and the master said, I'm going to judge you according to your words right there. But the other two, what happens to them? Oh, I bless you. You did exactly what I said to do. Come on into my joy. I, I bless you now. I'm, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to invest more with you. Can I have a time out right here? God doesn't treat everybody the same. He gave one ten, and he gave one five, and he gave one one. The, the Lord's going to do what he wants to do. I, I said this the other day. I said, how would you like to be one of the nine disciples that didn't get to go with Jesus on the special stuff? Y'all stay here, me and James and Peter and John, we're going up here. And you're like, can we go? No, you don't get to. We get this idea that God does everything the same. He just clones everybody. Everybody's got, you know, to, no, 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 no. You're serving a master, and you are responsible to that master to obey him and to serve him and to love him and to do exactly what he says in your life. Everybody say Amen. But it's easier for me just, you know, let somebody else, you know, I'll let them go. No, no, wait a minute there. The Lord might give you ten. He might give you five. But it is your responsibility to react in kind. Does the merit come in there? And I would say yes. Two boys. Father said to them, boys, I need you to go out in the field. The one boy said, yes, sir, I'm on my way. And the other one said, I've got other things that I need to do. I'm probably not going to go. But the boy that said, I'm on my way, he didn't find his way. He never got there. And the boy that said, I've got other things to do, he reconsidered that and said, no, this is not right. I need to go help my father. Who did the will of the father and who came into the favor of the father? And again, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about work in the kingdom. Because the Lord came to work in the kingdom, and, and He anointed us to work in the kingdom. You're not here just to sit on a chair. You're here to be a part of the kingdom. 
Now, everybody doesn't have the same qualities. Everybody doesn't have the same abilities. That's not what it's about. But the Lord, He designs that each and every one that He has saved, that He has brought out of a life of sin, that He has placed in this glorious kingdom, in, in the bride of Christ, in the body of Christ, is not there to just sit. They are there to do the cause of the Master, to serve the will of the Master. I have come to do your will, oh God. Is everybody okay? If you're okay, say amen. All right. So then, pray the Lord that he will send lazy loafers into the harvest. Just send anybody out there, Lord, I don't want to do it anyway. Isn't that funny? Pray the Lord he will send people into the harvest. Not me. Send No, pray the Lord He will send you in the harvest. We've got that all wrong. You know. I didn't want to go anyway, you know, and toil out there. So send, send Rick. Get him out there in that harvest, Lord. Brother Isaac, you're good, strong. Get, get Isaac out in that harvest. Get Pastor out there, man. Get him in that harvest. You're going to find out that when you humble yourself and become like Him, you're going to be one of those that goes in the harvest. And what does the harvest represent? It just represents the kingdom trying to do what the Lord has in front of us, trying to harvest where He can use us to harvest. Amen. And so, sorry, I got this wrote down right here. Sorry, your charm and good looks won't get you a close, a close seat next to Him in the kingdom. Neither will your talents or gifts, abilities. Neither will your holiness standards. Or your lack of them. I don't want to leave that out. Your holiness standards don't get you a place in the kingdom. But on the other side of that, the lack of holiness standards do not get you there either. Living loose and free and without any feeling of conviction in your life. And I want to say this. We have faced a lot of things and people have all kinds of ideas ideas of holiness and what holiness is about. Some wear a tie, some don't wear a tie, some wear jewelry, some don't. Some put their hair back in buns, some don't. Some do this, that, the other, and all of that. None of that has to do with your service in the kingdom. But I will tell you this, that God is going to desire of you and require of you whatever it takes in your life for you to become a servant. So I'm not going to discount the convictions that God lays in people's hearts. And you should not either. Well, I'm never going to do. No, don't do that. Let God design in your life what makes you a servant to Him. And if He wants you to drop some stuff out of your life, drop it out of your life. Because we are to be servants to the Lord. Effective to His cause. And then finally, the the words of Jesus ringing in the ears of his apostles for a lifetime. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's ringing into their ears after the apostles have 
laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. When they raised people from the dead, which is pretty amazing, when those same disciples, when they ministered in places that were bigger than we'll ever know, when they established churches all over the known world, and when men wanted to celebrate them at times as gods, when they cast out devils, they did not forget one thing about their self, that they are servants. You can read it in their writings. Peter, in the second epistle, he writes, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. James, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Because they never lost their identity in the kingdom. Your identity is not a preacher. Your identity is a servant in the kingdom of God. So let me say this in closing. Out of this body right here, the Lord will never call you to be a singer. He'll never call you to be a musician. He'll never call you to be a teacher out of this body. Or a pastor. Or an elder. He will call you to be a servant. See, people that are pastoring that are not serving his cause are worthless in the kingdom. People that are leading worship that are not serving the cause of Jesus Christ are worthless in the kingdom. Men that are appointing men in the kingdom to do certain things so that we can honor men in the kingdom, they are not serving the purpose of the gospel. The purpose of the gospel is to serve our Lord and Master and His kingdom. That's our purpose as Christians. You know, when we were lost in our trespasses and sins, we didn't understand anything about that. But now that we know Him, we're called to serve Him. Can you say amen? So let me reassure you that whatever you do here, let's, let's, let's recount this. Let's recount this. Heather, we don't have a piano player. Will you step in and play the piano? Well, they don't feel adequate. Don't do it because you have the talent. Do it because you're a servant. So, well, I, I, I don't know, you know, my influence with people. I don't know how I'll do. Rodney, let me tell you. It doesn't matter what your experiences are. It doesn't matter where you've been, your ability to, to help with youth or not. You're a servant. You're going to serve them because it is the kingdom will that you serve young people to know Jesus Christ. And so God is filling His house with people that will serve. Not with people that are hungry for position, but people that are ready to serve. They're ready. Lord, whatever it is in my life, whatever you can use, if you, you can use anything, Lord, then you can use me. Make me a servant. I don't have to have accolades. What I have to have is the blessing of my Lord who says, Thou good and faithful servant. 
And so I don't care what my position is. If I am servicing the kingdom, that's what is important to my Lord and my master. Can you say amen? And then, when we get servants right, then God puts us in places that we can do what? Serve. Amen. That's all I'm doing here this morning. I'm going to tell you something about me that you probably already know. I don't like being in front. I never did, and I never will. I don't like speaking in a crowd. It's not my personality. Lord, change me. He never did. Still don't like it. But I like my Lord. I like serving my Lord. Come on, say amen. I, I like my Lord to look at me and, and say, I know, son, I, I know you're not. You don't like, you know, being out in front all the time. You don't like that. But you're doing it to serve the kingdom. And that's all we're doing. Can you say amen? That's all we're doing. Now the Lord equips us and helps us. You know, we, we, we do it the best we can. But, it, but it's all to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're here this morning to serve each other. I want to tell you that. That's part of that love. John said that, that you love one another. That's part of that love, serving one another. Some years ago, I preached a sermon about service. I had a, I'm going to say brother, come to me. And I said, well, really having a lot of marriage issues, problems. And the Lord spoke into my spirit right there. Now, this, you know, this, this is weird for us. But the Lord said, tell him he needs to serve his wife. For a, for a space. I said a month. I think it was a month. Be a servant. He didn't do it. And things are just as they were 15 years later. The problem with that is that when we elevate ourselves above service, then there's conflict. Humble some of you men. <laughs> I don't wash dishes. You need to try it. <laughs> Be good for you. And I mean, that's not your, 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 your total job. Be good for you. The things that we do that humble us before each other, humble us before each other. I hate it when somebody picks up the microphone and says, we got so-and-so here tonight. They are the man of God. They this, that, the other. They got a voice of the Lord. By then, I'm tuned out. We're here to serve. We're here to serve. Can you say amen? And so I want us, as we close here this morning, I just want you to say this. You don't have to get up. Just right where you're sitting. I just want you to say this to the Lord. This is what the Lord said of himself. I want you to say this to the Lord. I've come to do your will, O oh God. Would you just close your eyes with me right now? It's a serious subject. Serious subject. I've come to do your will, O oh God.
I know that we've heard all our life. We've come to get what we, what the devils took from us, and we've come to church to get this and that and the other. No, we've come to church to do your will. Oh, God. And I pray right now, Lord, that the humbleness of our heart is to do your will. Learning subjection is to hear your voice. Lord, do your will. And that's what we want, Lord. Whatever you've designed for this body and this church, and we feel like we know some of that direction that you've sent us in it. Lord, whatever it is, we can't do it with a haughty spirit. Lord, we can't do it thinking that we're all that. Lord, we, we can only do it as servants. And so, Lord, I pray over every individual here this morning, Lord. Lord, make a recommitment of our service to you and our love and honor to your name, Jesus. Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord, and I'll go, Lord. I'm captured by I'm captured by your holy calling set me apart I know you're drawing me to your sin. Lead